Well, take your Bibles as we've, everyone's, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, everyone's talking about getting to the book of Acts, the, the end of it. I think it's been really good. I mean, I've enjoyed it. It's like I've been riding a camel for a long time. Ups and downs, ups and downs, hills and valleys as we've gone through the book of Acts. I hope that you've been encouraged. If you've been here the whole time, let me do a sampling. If you've been the whole time, you've been through the book of Acts for the most part, you say, I would cover three quarters or more of the material. Raise your hand if you've been here for that or you've been online, watching online. All right, good. So what you're going to need to do with the material is actually reproduce now. Now that we've given you the bulletins, given you the notes, Jeremiah's put them online. You can now teach this at your workplace, in your home place. You need to reproduce. You've been through the book of Acts. I walked you through. Hopefully the Holy Spirit walked you through. You need to reproduce. If you haven't been through the whole book, you need to go back and go back to the beginning, Acts chapter 1. See how the early church began. See the commission of Jesus Christ to his, his disciples and apostles. And see how God actually developed the church into what we have here today. If you can finish the book of Acts and you still are lost, don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all I can tell you is you got a hard heart. you got a hardened heart that God's been trying to knock on your door for 83 weeks, and it hadn't been 83 weeks, I'm sure. I haven't counted, but God's been knocking on your heart saying, listen, let me in. Look what I did for this man. Look what I did for this woman. Look what I did for this young person. God's knocking on our hearts constantly saying, let me in because I want to give you the good life. La bella vita, right? The good life. That's what God wants to give you. And the only way you can get the good life in this life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no other way. Paul has preached the same message. What was Paul's message? Anybody want to stand up and tell me what Paul's message was from the time he was called in Acts chapter 9 until we find out to the end of uh, Acts? He he keeps going after that, by the way. What was his message? What did he preach? Stand up and yell it to me. Somebody. Adrian? Jesus! He preached Jesus. That's exactly what he did. He preached Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He said, I have nothing else to say. Now, he would talk about his credentials because he had to fit into certain groups. And he would say, this is who I am. This is who I was. But today, this is where I'm going, and this is the message I preach. Paul loved Jesus more than he loved riches. Paul loved Jesus more than he loved his own family. Paul loved Jesus more than he loved his own reputation. Paul put Jesus first. And through the whole book of Acts, you'll see that Paul was constantly putting Jesus, well, Acts chapter 9 and beyond, putting Jesus first. What about Stephen? He put Jesus first, and it cost him his life. What about Peter? Well, Peter, you'll see Peter has a little bit of a wishy-washiness sometimes, but he put Jesus first when he got everything settled. What about Barnabas? He and Paul fell out. Can you imagine? Barnabas drops off. We don't read about him anymore, but he put Jesus first. Had a difference on how to put Jesus first, but and they're using their personalities. God used them in a mighty way because they all preached Jesus first. I want you to see in the book of Acts today, when, you, when we look at this, if you haven't been with us, go back and look. I'm going to jump into Acts chapter 27, recap 41 through 44, and then get right into 28. And there's some ports of entry up here that have uh, Greek words that I'll probably butcher today because don't live there, don't speak the language. But I've, I've, uh, I've looked up some of these things, and this is actually, have you ever heard of the Pan American Highway? There's travels, it's a pretty nice road, I've been on it. Okay, let me switch. Have y'all been to Whiskey Road? Where does, where does Whiskey Road take you? For the most part. Y'all, do y'all know where Whiskey Road is? That double lane right there in front of McDonald's. Where does it, it predominantly take you? 
takes you from downtown Aiken to where? Pretty much the SRS or to New Orleans would say it connects from town to town. When you read about this way, and I want you to go give you a heads up so you, when you look ahead, when we get reach to the scripture, when you look at verse 15, this paved road, uh, Apopi Way, it was actually a paved road that the Romans had paved. So when Paul's talking about it, just think of Whiskey Road. It was a connector road from where they landed the boat until they were going to Rome. Because remember, the destination was where? Rome, because why? Is it because Paul appealed to Caesar to get to Rome? That's what he, he did that, but was that the reason he was going to Rome? He's not going to Rome on his own account. He want, he's going to Rome because God said he was going to Rome. And then the angel of the Lord said, you're going to Rome. So all the things we would say, look at that, that's coincidental that Paul appealed to Rome, an angel said to go to Rome in the name of God. So therefore he ends up in Rome. So look at that, isn't life strange? Let me tell you, God's hand's involved in every action in your life and my life. Paul's not something supernatural special over here. He was an average man that God used him in a supernatural way. Let's read together in the Word of God. And we'll read about the shipwreck and then move on. 2741, you there? Say amen. amen. But striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern, the back of the ship, was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. We talked about last week, that includes the Apostle Paul. Is God going to let that happen? Even if you didn't know the rest of the story. Not a chance because God's plan will never be thwarted by man. Ever. Doesn't that make you feel good? Some of y'all living like this every day. <laughs> my life, you like, when Mackenzie was little, we thought she was demon possessed. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That child was crazy as a bull bat. Crazy. And when she didn't get away, she would stand in front of the, wherever it was, and you say something to her, and she knew a spanking was coming, but she would stand, and she would just spin up like a monkey. She, we call it the monkey scream. She'd run in place 100 miles an hour, and then she'd calm down and receive her spanking for being dishonoring like she was, because she, 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 was, she was crazy. I had a crazy, she's still crazy, but not like she was. And so some of us in church are the same way. You're like, my life is terrible. You stand in front of God running in place, screaming like a monkey going, it's not fair. Life's not fair. Isn't that our society today? Here's the deal. Is God in charge of our society? Yeah, he is. Is he in charge of our church? Is he in charge of your life? Then get on board with him. Quit watching the news. Quit talking in social groups. Get on board with the Lord Jesus Christ because he has a plan for your life. He wants to see you succeed in life. It, you'll suffer because Jesus said so. We're going to talk about the Beatitudes coming up. He's going to tell you you have a blessing. And the blessing there is a happy life that you're going to have because you're persecuted for the name of Jesus. Y'all, we worship an invisible God that none of you have ever seen. I've never seen him either. Is that crazy or what? You think some of us are crazy, aren't we? Paul preached Jesus that was not there. It was by faith that we had to trust that he's there. But also the evidence is there. Y'all saw the chickens out there, didn't you? The little bird that Christian's talking about, the goslings. How'd they get there? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was, for, it was void and formless. 
And then God goes through and he does everything like we talked about. He built the aquarium, if you will, as you would for a fish. He built the world and everything in it for mankind. Everything was good, he said. Then he came up and made us and he said, it is very good. Because we were made in the image of God, Genesis 126. Mankind is the only creation that God created that is still disobeying him till today. That mother bird is having like kind birds. Those trees are reproducing like kind trees. Those squash plants that the kids put in the garden are going to produce, guess what? Cucumbers. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to produce for those kids, but they put them in deep. We understand that if we go out and look at the squash plant or tomato plant. We understand the concept of saying, wow, tomatoes make, tomato seed make tomato plants, which make tomatoes. How come we can't look and see in the word of God that, listen, God did this for Paul. He's going to do it for me. Not the same thing. There was only one burning bush. There was only one giant fish that swallowed Jonah. Understand? Don't go try to get yourself in a situation and say, now God saved me. He's going to let you pay that price upon yourself. Stupidity does not work out. Don't, the Bible says don't test God. So don't test him in stupid ways and say, listen, well, I, I did this for God, and we're going to talk about snake bites here in just a moment. Y'all, I know some people that know some people that handle snake on Sunday morning. If y'all see a snake come in this church, I guarantee he's going to lose his head before he makes it to the altar. I will handle a dead snake with no head. And it ain't lack of faith. It's because I hate snakes. And if you love snakes, that's good for you. My son, my oldest son, will pick up any snake that's moving. I will too, as long as he's jerking after his head's missing. <laughs> We're going to read about this. And if you're handling snakes trying to prove your faith, that is stupidity just for the record. It's not a, te it's not a testing. Well, Mark 16, let's get to the Word of God. Listen, Paul's going to show that. Paul picks up a snake by accident, and he throws off the snake immediately. He didn't dance with it in his face. He didn't stand before the church and show everybody, look at this, look at this. I got the power of God in me. He didn't test God. He threw the snake off like any of us with any kind of good sense would do. It was a viper who bit, which bit him. I get ahead of myself. Let's go through and read it. But the centurion wanting to save Paul, not the rest of the prisoners, just Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. The soldiers had a purpose, y'all remember? To kill all the prisoners. The sailors had a purpose to let down the skiff, to get away and let all of them die on the ship because <laughs> they're soldiers and non-sailors. But God had a purpose, and I want you to understand, you got that sorry boss or somebody that's in your life driving you crazy, they have a purpose to run you down. But God has a purpose for you to succeed. God wants to see you go forward. It might be through persecution, but God wants to see you go forward. That professor at the university is always going to give you that low grade. That teacher giving you that grade. That parent sometimes it's hard, the unbelieving parent. I want you to understand, man will always, sinful man will always want to have a purpose against God. But God always has a plan for your life and a purpose. Let's continue to read. And the rest, some of them on boards and some on parts of the ships. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. It could end up saying that all the soldiers escaped Safely to land with all the prisoners floating up dead because they stuck a sword in them. It didn't say that. God said everybody would be on the shore safely if they stayed on the ship, not a hair of their head would be missing. I'm of the faith and of the belief none of these boys lost a hair on their head going ashore. I don't think there was one of their, one of their hairs in the Mediterranean Sea, not one. 
of the AGMT. You say, Pastor, even when you take a shower, some hair comes out. God said not a hair would fall from one of these men. That's how much I believe the Bible. You say, well, you're crazy. Yes, I am. And welcome to my world of faith. This is the faith that God wants us to go forward. He says go. We say what? Yes, sir. We don't say how far, because some of us are guilty of that, aren't we? Lord, I'll, I'll serve you anywhere you want me to serve, as long as you don't make me sell my house, quit my job, upset my coworkers or students, my fellow students. I'll do anything you want me to do, but Charles Stanley, you've heard me say this before, Charles Stanley says, your butts will get you in trouble. Every time you put a butt, God, I'll do anything for you, but that's when you won't do anything for God. Paul was sold out, shipwrecks, snake bites, you name it, sailors, soldiers. He, that's what we talked about last week. Verse 28, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed up, or the islanders showed us unusual kindness. Now it's going first person. This is Luke writing. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. This was a nasty storm. The storm's still happening as they got forced into land. You ever been cold and wet? You ever been shipwrecked or fell off a ship? I have. It's not a pleasant experience. It's very terrifying. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks <clears throat> and laid them on the fire, he's just being helpful, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. And when the natives or the islanders saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. Can I just say this as a side note as well? Everybody talks about justice today. Justice, even the islanders here on the island of Malta who were not Christians, as far as we know, never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ, understood when a man does wrong, because they deemed him a murderer, what should happen to a murderer? He should die. If you take another man's life, you, your life was required, even from, the, even from unbelievers. And we could talk about that later. Corporal punishment, we'll talk about that maybe someday in the future. We'll have that as a subject. I believe in corporal punishment, just for the record. No doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped to see, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said, he's a God. Isn't that like us today? We will not, we'll have convictions about what we will listen, this is true. Until the crowd goes the other way. Can I just say this to you in love today? God made a man a man. He made a woman a woman. If you have a desire to transition, that's a sinful choice. You're spitting in the face of God saying, God, you didn't do it right. There's emotions that go with discipleship. We have to get our emotions correct. We have to get our feelings correct. And I know when people watch this on Facebook, it's going to be passed on, and I'll get some lovely notes. If you don't know if you're a boy or a girl, we have nurses at church that will tell you what you are. Did y'all know that? Within five seconds. God has made you male and female, the Bible says. Church, we got to stand on this. He said, what about those poor people? Listen, there's a mental disorder that happens, and it's a sinful disorder when people want to choose their gender. They want to change it. Something's wrong in their head. As a matter of fact, y'all heard of the World Health Organization? Did y'all know that today 
Now, it won't happen next year. We can't say that I can't preach this next year. The World Health Organization still says anyone that's transgender is, um, is in mental health trouble. Did y'all know that? The handbook says that. Now, they've changed it under political pressure, and it's going to be corrected in 2022. But right now, in 2021, the World Health Organization says you have a mental disability if you're a transgender. That's what it says. Go read it for yourself. But it also, in 1970, used to say that homosexuality was a mental disorder. If you're a homosexual, you make a choice. And the Bible calls homosexuality, Romans 1, an unnatural choice. It's a sinful choice. And it says those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You don't have to like that. You don't even have to like that I said that out of my mouth. God's word says that. Go read it for yourself. He said, well, that offends me. Good. That means you're thinking about it. But our young people today think it's normal. Guys acting like girls and girls acting like guys. It's in our, we, we're so excited that the governor has open carry law. How do we celebrate that when we actually did not stop men being transgenders going into girls' bathrooms? The subcommittee decided not to bring that to the table because it was too much political pressure because they don't want people showing up at their front door rallying and complaining, listen, you're not loving enough. Do you think Paul, Paul came to the world and he preached to these pagans and he said, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ will make you whole. When you live for Jesus, you'll start living a righteous life. You'll live a holy life. And when somebody says something to you, hey, the word of God says, you'll say, where? And when you read it for yourself, conviction should come upon your heart saying, this is true. Because God said it. If you don't believe this word, listen, you don't have a faith in Christ. I don't believe you can say, well, I believe some of the Bible. What a dumb God we would serve if you just believe a part. What part do you believe? We've done presidents in the past that would tear out parts they didn't like. This story, that president would actually rip it out because he didn't believe in the miracles of God. He didn't believe Jesus did miracles. How foolish can you be? Let's continue to read and see. I want you to see that God's word speaks clearly. We can't miss it today. Does it offend us? Yes, especially our culture today where anything goes. God says there's rules to everything. We understand that in football. Those big fat white lines, do you all understand that? When someone's running gets knocked out on the 50-yard line, what does the side umpire do? He quickly blows a whistle, runs up, and he puts his foot right where that person stepped out of bounds. I don't care if the receiver continues to run and comes back in on the 35 and says, hey, guys, come down here. That's where I got tackled on the 35. What is that side umpire going to do? That line judge. You've got just a few more seconds to get your behind back up here and move forward. Or what's going to happen? We're going to move back, delay a game. You're going back five yards. Now you're going to go back to the 45. And he's going to put us here, and he's going to blow the whistle. White hat's going to blow the whistle. Back judge is going to be timing you. What happens if you don't get it right then? You're going back five yards. And this is what the church of God has done. We have backed up because we won't take a stance for the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't confess our sins when we step out of bounds with God. We just want to cover it up. We're like a cat in a sandbox. We just want to cover and smother. <clears throat> Don't want to offend anybody. Don't want anybody to know about my secrets. Don't want to know about my past. Just cover it up. And God continues to blow the whistle till you're all, we're all the way backwards. The church continues to regress. And the Bible says the gates of hell will not stand against the church of God. What's wrong with the church of God today? We're weak, we're afraid, and we're ignorant of the Word of God. We're not bold enough to stand on the Word of God. We say, well, that's not my problem. 
That's not my neighborhood. That's not my family. Until it is. And then what do we do? Oh, the world's getting so bad. Come, Lord Jesus, come. No, Jesus says go into the world like Paul and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go forward. Don't go backwards. Don't retreat. Stand your ground. And when you've done all to stand, know that the Holy Spirit's moving you forward. He's with you never to leave you nor forsake you, says Jesus. This is the truth of God's word. Let's continue. I'll speed up so we can see. Verse 7. When they saw there was no harm to him in that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius. And I wrote the word neighborhood. He was a rich man in the neighborhood. He was the chief man of the island who received us and entertained us. And he came to the point that for three days he helped all those men. How many men, were, by the way, were they entertaining? 276 plus the islanders. Everybody, seen, everybody, everybody on the shipwreck saw Paul get that, that viper locked into his hand, did they not? When he slung it off like this, was that a miracle of God? Imagine my boys get up on the shore, multiple, poof, poof, off the shipwreck, going, you made it, you made it. <clears throat> One, two, three. Man, all of us made it. Paul was right. <clears throat> His God knew what was going on. <clears throat> His God must be the God of the sea. Because that's what they believe. God of the wind, God of the rain, God of the cold. His God, just what he said was going to happen, happened. And here comes Paul getting bit by that snake. <laughs> oh, no. That's the end of it. He throws him off. Islanders look and see. But also all those guys on the ship. Something's going wrong. All right. This man can get bit by a snake. He's going to die. He's a murderer. Nope. He's a god. Keep looking. I was going to call today's sermon Miracles in Malta, but I, I decided not to because there's more things happening. In that neighborhood, this man Publius lived. He entertained him for three days, and it happened that the father of Publius lay sick for a fever and dysentery. Dysentery is, a, this, if y'all know, an infection in your gut, severe diarrhea. The man's dying. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him, and he healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. And they also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. What things are necessary when you leave on a ship? Food, first aid, anything you can actually have. Paul didn't just lay on his hands on this man. What did he do? He prayed first. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. <clears throat> I got this hiccup in my throat. Thank you all. Well, let's get to your notes real quick. Let's blow through the notes. I want you to see this because we need to finish through verse 17. Paul and all 275 soldiers, sailors, and others on board the Alexandrian ship ended up the, ended their voyage with a violent crash on the rock face off the coast of Malta. In the middle of the heavy storm, Paul prophesied that an angel of God encouraged him to share with all on board that no one would die. God's miracle of salvation happened just as Paul preached. When you get rescued from a, a violent sea, I have been. There's nothing but you hear nothing on your mama saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. If you don't know Jesus, you want to start saying thank you. Thank you to your shipmates. Thank you to those who helped you. You, you go, I just want to get a shower. I want to get dry. I want to get something to eat. It happened to me in the Caribbean. Nighttime, dark seas. Should have died, but God had a plan. God had a purpose. And I stand here today to tell you, listen, I was not a Christian when that happened. I should have died under the ferry 
a diesel ferry in the Caribbean at nighttime in the stormy seas off the coast of St. Thomas. You say, well, I don't believe that. I was there. It happened to me. Same thing you did with Paul. I don't believe Paul. Well, it's here for writing. Either we believe what the Word of God says or we don't. Either we take God at face value or we don't. Let's continue to look at your notes. God miraculously demonstrated his power, causing nature to force the Alexandrian ship to crash just as he ordered. God has power over the seas. Would you say amen? amen. God has powers over the sea. Would you say amen? amen? Doesn't mean I'm going to take a cruise anytime soon, but I know God has the power over the seas and everything in them. <clears throat> In the middle of the storm, God miraculously caused every man to get to land safely. This demonstrated, <coughs> excuse me, this demonstrated his trustworthiness. Even the pagans could not deny the miracle they experienced. Would you agree? If you was on that boat, there were more people on that boat that's sitting in this sanctuary this morning. If all of us, all of a sudden there was a tornado, we saw it coming, and we had a word from God saying, get back in this small little room, and the whole place was ripped apart. And we survived when we say, wow, we heard a word from God. Even if we didn't believe in God, you'd have to be a dummy to say, listen, oh, that was just coincidence that happened. Another way we do it is young people, sometimes we just, we just write it off. After they made it all the land, God calls the islanders to show all the men unusual kindness. They kindled a fire for the castaways and welcomed them because of shipwreck, rain, and cold. God calls these islanders to have compassion on these men. And I told you now, it's even today, it's a resort area called St. Paul's Bay. If you look up the island of Malta, the, the bay is called St. Paul's Bay. Now, there's some crazy, mysterious things that the islanders made up that no snakes bite you on that island because Paul took all the venom out of all the snakes. Uh, there's all kinds of traditions that happen from that, but the Word of God speaks clearly that there was that one snake. If you look up the snakes on Malta, I've looked up the different snakes, and they said, well, there's no poisonous snakes on the island. So liberal theologians who don't believe the Word of God would come up and say, well, there's no poisonous snakes just tradition got slipped into the Bible. If you're so blinded into that fact, you don't believe that Jesus can save you. If the Word of God says a viper came out, attached itself to Paul, did the owners know what kind of vipers bite you and die? Go to Kenya today, out in the middle of the bush. They'll tell you which ones to stay away from, right? When I was in Kenya, we had to shower in the water, the small waterfall, and there was a jungle-type stretch I said, Pastor, when you go through there, go fast. I was a little bit lighter than I am now, but when you go through there, go fast. I said, why don't I want to go? I can walk through. I'm not afraid. <clears throat> Black Mamba. I said, I'll be fast. Right? <laughs> no one Black Mamba's faster than me, but I knew what a Black Mamba could do to you. So I ran through there, showered, right? Water shower, dirt showered, if you will, ran back. Every time I crossed through that little piece of land, now whether they were playing jokes on me or not, I don't know. But I didn't stand around to t ask questions. I didn't beat the bushes to find out that, that snake was in there. Every time I went through there, it was full sprint. Every time I come back, it was a full sprint. The islanders, listen, even in Kenya, they know today, if you get bitten by a certain snake, you're going to die. You're going to swell up and die. And usually, if you get bitten by a poison snake, you start having adverse effects within 30 minutes. Did y'all know that? And it can take up to three days to die. So they were waiting. That's why it says they, after a long time, they watched Paul. He's going to die. No, he's not. He's a God. Nobody can survive that snake. Let's continue. What's this? Paul gathered the wood for the fire, and he tossed his sticks into the fire. A serpent came out from the heat and latched onto his arm. Paul shook all of the snake into the fire. The shipwrecked men and the islanders watched as God miraculously kept Paul 
from suffering any ill effect. I counted five miracles in this passage that we looked at. Five miracles of God. Why was God doing one after the other? Why was God causing these miracles to happen back to back to back? Shipwreck to safe island. Islanders to give you food and, and, and build a fire for you. Snake bite and then throw the snake off into the fire. No ill effect. Why is God doing this? I want you to know this. Miracles, and I've told you this before, every miracle in the Bible has a message from God. God's trying to give a message to everyone, even to us today. Believe in me. Put your full faith in me. I can overcome snakes because I created them. I can overcome anything in nature because I created it. I can overcome anything in your life because I'm in charge of all creation. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. There's nothing that's outside the realm of God. Why do you worry in your life? Why are you stressed out? Why are you wondering where the next dollar is going to come from? Jesus has promised never to leave us nor forsake us, especially those of us who belong to him. If you're not a Christian, you don't have that promise. You can't just rub it off when you come into the building. You must give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you receive from him whatever he gives you in your life. Somebody says, will you give me prosperity? The answer is yes. But what is prosperity? My Kenyan brothers and sisters is the next meal is prosperity. To us, we think of a big house and a big car or something nice. But to them, it's the next meal. And they thank God every time they have a meal. I told you what the Kenyans said when they were here. The pastor's wife, she's riding through these houses, said, Pastor, surely all these people come to your church because they live so close by. And I said, they do not. Many of these people, we've knocked on their doors. They don't go to church anywhere. She said, how can this be? They're blessed abundantly if I had a house like this and if I had a car like this and if I had green grass in our yard. I would be in church every day just thanking God, thank you, thank you, God, for all the blessings you've given me. And I said, we as Americans have taken it for granted. We're not even satisfied with the yard we have. We're not satisfied with the house we have. We get to be 60, 70 years old and build a big old mansion that we can't even live in, can't even keep it clean. Doesn't it happen? I tell Wendy, the older we get, we're going to get into those little uh, rectangular boxes and start stacking them together. I need a bathroom, a bedroom, and somewhere to just eat dinner. I, I can imagine building a big house in my 50s or later. That makes me sick to my stomach to think about that. Because I don't love buildings. Y'all know that, right? Even this place. Stresses me out sometimes because it's so big. I always ask Derek, why don't we just build a rectangular box? I don't know why they just build a rectangular box. We can fill it up and preach, fill it up again and preach. We have what we have and we thank God for it, don't we? But we're not looking to some other church and I want to encourage you, don't be looking for some other people's places. Be satisfied with what you have. Be content with the Lord, and that's great gain, the Bible says. Contentment with the Lord is great gain. Say it with me. Contentment with the Lord is great gain. Everybody didn't say it. Y'all are going to make you crazy because some of y'all aren't, some of you aren't contenders. You're like, I ain't saying it because I want a big house. I want a new car. <laughs> Try it with me. Come on. Contentment with the Lord is great gain. That's what the Word of God says. Was Paul content? He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. In the good times, I got it. I love the good times because that means the croissants are soft and honey baked, right? And in the rough times, I can eat the old corn chips because they, they rough and they cheap, right? Takis, whatever they're called. They're getting expensive now because even the cheap food now is kind of cool food, so it's going up. Paul said, in all things, Philippians 4.13, and he said, my God shall supply all of your need 
according to his riches and glory. Hey, church, how can Paul make that promise to the church and to us today? What's the expectation that if God's going to, God didn't drop coins from heaven. He's not up to heaven going, need some over here in China. We need some over here. And just throwing coins out of heaven. Where's his riches? It's in your wallet, in your purse, in your checking account. That's where God's riches are. Did you know that money's not yours? I didn't get all amens. Did you know? Let me just say it again. Did y'all know all that money you have is not yours? That little bit of money that you have is not yours? Those children aren't yours. That car is not yours. That house is not yours or the bank's. Who does it belong to? That's hard to say. You're like Fonzie trying to say, I'm sorry, right? I'm so rural. If we can come to the place in our life that we realize that our life is revolving, listen, God has us. He thinks about us. He loves us. He saves us. But we can live like he's in charge of our life. I don't have to worry anymore. Because if you give people rides, and the Lord knows you have a raggedy old car, and your air conditioner's not working, guess what he's going to do if you continue to bless people? My, my, my servant loves to give people a ride. They listen to me when I say stop for that person. I'm telling you, I believe God will give you another ride. And I believe you should pray specifically. Lord, you know what? I, I try to help people. Or if you take somebody who's elderly to the, to the uh, hospital or to the store, Lord, I really have a, a need for a new car because Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. Or if you're health, home, home health. God knows what you're doing. He sees it. I believe you should pray specifically about the color of your car, the type of car, the interior in your car, the stereo system in your car. You say, Pastor, you're crazy. It's something like a name and claim it. Listen, I come to the place that says, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. I might as well go and ask for a better stereo system if I'm praying, right? I believe God cares because what am I going to do with my stereo system? I'm going to listen to preaching. I'm going to listen to gospel music. I want to honor the Lord with everything that I have. Are we perfect? The answer is none of us are. Let's finish up with Paul and we'll be finished for the day. God showed Paul favor. Paul was shown hospitality by the one leading the citizens of the island. The man's father was sick. God miraculously allowed Paul to exercise his apostolic authority and heal the man. Paul appealed to God first. Paul didn't just come up and touch him. This was not a man's hand that healed this man. This was the hand of God through Paul healing this man. Paul prayed first. He asked for healing from God. And as he touched this man, this man in faith, they joined together in faith. The man received the healing as Paul gave the healing. Do you understand how it works? Do you think Paul did this? Let me just ask you this question as we get ready to leave today. You think Paul said, wow, this man's a VIP. I can't tell him about Jesus. I'll be so upset if, if, if I tell him about Jesus. Think Paul was nervous about that? Brother, listen, let me tell you about, before I heal you, let me tell you. That's what he's going to do. That's why we feed people and then tell them about Jesus. If you tell a hungry person about Jesus, they're still hungry. Give them a biscuit or a burger or something, right? That's why we go in Jesus' name to do things for other people. But I'm going to go in Jesus' name. I'm just going to give you a burger and say, God bless you. You want this burger, you're going to hear this message. And that's the way Paul was. You want healing, brother? Let me tell you about Jesus. And Publius, the VIP of the islands, listen, he's like this. I know you were shipwrecked. I know you made it through that snake bite. I ain't sure you can do this. My, my dad's been sick. 
when Paul heals the man, what happens? To this day, if you look up the island of Malta, they proclaim Christianity. Till today. No, it's, it's a messed up kind of, like the world, the church has taken all these backwards, all these penalties, and we just take it. We take it like a bunch of babies. We run backwards. Instead of going forward, watch what happens. Not only that man, God miraculously kept off from suffering and ill effect from that snake bite. He used his apostolic authority to heal the man. And this is my... Outside the Bible, I don't have proof of this, but I know Paul and his reputation. Salvation obviously came to the island of the nation of Malta. Paul would not demonstrate God's power of healing without giving the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Don't do anything that you do in good charity without giving the message of Jesus Christ. He said, well, I give to United Way. They don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're offended by it today. Even sometimes in the Salvation Army, listen, they're still preaching in certain places. But there's some who back off. The Mennonites will help people. They won't preach Jesus. They want them to make a decision for Christ. Church, we must preach Jesus Christ, dead, buried, and resurrected, and that he will save any sorry sinner who asks him. That's the word of God. That's why I'm standing before you today. Jesus saved me. Nothing I did, nothing the preacher did, but the preacher was, listen, he was available to preach the message. And I got confronted with that. When we saw the names of Jesus, we were singing his names today. Isaiah 9, 6 is where I was saved near Christmas. His name shall be Wonderful. Is his name wonderful to you? His name shall be Counselor or Wonderful Counselor. You put the two together in the King James. He shall be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Is that who he is to you today? You have struggles in your life? You don't have peace in your life? You don't have any power in your life? You might not belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like the Apostle Paul, listen, he wants to come in authority in your life. Paul had everything but Jesus, and he thought he was serving God. When he was persecuting the church, he thought he was doing the right thing in the name of God. He's persecuting the church. How about you today? And you, and you, and you, and you. Are you trying to do the right thing to be good? You'll never be good enough. Paul was never good enough. It took an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ to change Paul's life. And then when he truly had that encounter with Christ, it was evident every time Paul went out, he's preaching Jesus Christ. He's having people baptized. You need to be, receive Christ and be baptized. Salvation officer came to Malta. Three months passed and their voyage continued on a different Alexandrian ship that had wintered in Malta. God calls one ship to crash and he caused another ship to dock. That same ship had to go through that same channel without hitting the rocks. Do you think God had a plan? What a coincidence. No coincidence. There's no coincidence in the kingdom of God. There's plans and purposes of our God. God gave Paul and his disciples encouragement as they met other believers when they landed in different ports. What did Paul do when he got encouraged by the other believers? Paul thanked God and took courage as he journeyed to Rome. You can go, but we didn't finish reading the scripture. Read through verse 17. He was excited. He met another brother and sister in Christ. Was he tired of being around Brother Luke? Well, Luke's taking all the notes. Luke's writing everything down. Luke's taking care of the team. But when he saw other brothers and sisters, he thanked God for the encouragement. I want you to look left and right. Look on the pew with you. Those that are sleeping, just give them a nudge and tell them to wake up and look at you. God gave you those people around you to encourage you. At Town Green Baptist Church, we want to be an encouraging church. 
We talk about that in your members class. We want to be encouraging. We want to encourage you. We want to speak plainly to you from the Word of God. We want you to be encouraged. We want you to love one another. We want you to bear one another's burdens. That's not popular in our culture today. It's not convenient. It feels unsafe. It feels risky. But so it is when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be encouraged. When arriving in Rome, God miraculously calls Paul to receive favor from the Roman centurion. Paul experienced freedoms the other prisoners did not. And I put this in the note. Look at your notes. God always wins. It kind of makes me excited. I can't lose. We talked about sharing the gospel, knocking on doors. It makes me nervous. I said, what could, what's the worst thing that happened? Pastor, in our culture, somebody might shoot you. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Christian, we can't lose. God always wins. Name a scenario. Call, talk about the cross of Jesus. Romans nailed him to the cross. The Jews said, if you were the Messiah, bring yourself down off that cross. The thieves on the cross are mocking him. It looks terrible. Satan's won, it looks like. But three days later, what happens? Just as he said, Jesus Christ arose from the grave. And listen, he had power, all power over everything that's anywhere. The deepest ocean, he's got the authority. Furthest out of space, wherever that is, they keep finding more and more places. God said, oh, wow, they found a new place. I need to go check it out. He created the places. Nothing surprises him. So listen, if you can get anything from this message today, I put today's title like this, Miracles, Seeing God's Hand or Watching God's Hand at Work. He was at work. Stop for just a moment in your life. Think back. I don't know if you had to take it five months, five years, 15 years. And see if you can't help but see the hand of God in your life, bringing you out of this situation, bringing you in relationship with this person, connecting you with this environment, giving you this job, taking this job away, whatever it might be in your life. At the invitation today, we're going to listen. We're going to receive you and ask you to come, but I want you to pray today specifically saying, God, I thank you that you did this in my life, even if it was bitter. You ever had something bitter happen to you? It could be family. It could be work, school. And sometimes when we have bitterness in our heart, we are what kind of people? Unforgiving. And the Lord says, if you don't forgive others, he won't forgive you. Y'all want to live in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ? You keep your hard heart. But he hurt me. She hurt me. They lied to me. Okay, I'm sorry. But here's the reality. There's a God who loves you. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. The only reason you're not experiencing all those things and who he is is because you're holding on to the past. You're holding on to the good thing. Well, if I go become a Christian, I got to give up drinking. Yes, you do. You know, that's why most people left our church. I found out when I'm out in town, one family said, I just left because that pastor's so mean to us. They gave, a, they gave a long list of why I was so mean to them. And I was in Sam's club and I was minding my business. I made the corner and here they come, a whole buggy full of wine. Those people left our church because they're winos and they're addicted to alcohol and they didn't like to hear the preacher, a Baptist preacher, preach against alcohol, this liquid devil. And when they saw me, they're like, uh, 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 they didn't know what to do. It's like they're frozen in place. I was like, I'm not judging you. I've been there. That stuff got me one time, right? It's liquid devil. He's like, well, Christian can have a beer once in a while, preacher. Have your beer, but don't tell your son not to have 10. Amen? Don't be a hypocrite. 
You do you have the liberty? Yes, you have the Christian liberty to do what you want to do. Marijuana is about to be legalized in South Carolina. Are we going to let our deacons smoke marijuana? They'll minister to you in the name of Jesus in a joint. We laugh about that because we know it's foolish. Alcohol is a drug. Pharmaceuticals are killing the church of God. And I told you this, last thing. A man came up to me at the hospital, not looked at, it's been a while back, but he said, you know why my grandma left the church? Because you said pharmaceuticals are the same word in the, in the Greek as related to witchcraft. And I said, well, I was talking about a specific lesson. He said, she's addicted to pharmaceuticals. That She said she'd never come back to your church. This is a grandson telling me about his grandma in the middle of a parking lot. I didn't even have an encounter. I didn't even plan it. What I want you to understand today is, listen, anything that takes control in first place of your life over the Lord Jesus Christ is a sin. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things you have need of will be added to you. If you have an addiction today, if you have a problem today, listen, just like Paul preached Jesus to these people on the island of Malta, come to Jesus. And I'm, I'm telling you, listen, he'll go with you. He'll go through that journey with you. He'll take it away from you if you turn to him. If you hold on to it, you're on your own. You're gonna, it won't be me and Jesus. It's got to be Jesus first. Me's got to get out of the way. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit loves you more than me, myself, and I do. You got to get out of your way, receive Jesus, and let him do his work. That's what Paul did. He got out of his way because he thought he was doing the right thing. He was firm belief. I was, since I was a boy, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then he found out he was wrong because Jesus said he was wrong. And when Jesus said, you're wrong, Paul, you're going to turn? Paul says, yes, sir. Which way? Turn toward Damascus. Go see Ananias. Yes, sir. Ananias, Paul's coming. Saul's coming. And you're going to pray for him. Lord, he's, he's responsible for killing Stephen. He's terrible. You will pray for him. He will receive his sight. You will baptize him. And he will suffer great things for me. And he's going to preach to the Gentiles. <laughs> Yes, sir. And they both did their jobs, and today we have the stories in the Word of God. And we, by the way, we're saved today because of Paul went to the Gentiles. You have salvation if you're saved today because the disciples and Paul, all the other brothers did what they were called to do, and sisters did what they were called to do. They said yes to Jesus. Here's a question. When you see these miracles, when you see the miracles in your life, you go back 5, 15, whatever years, will you say yes to Jesus? Have you been living like you love him? Have you been living like you love Jesus? And there's a slight bit saying, no, not really. He's drawing you to him. He's not mad at you. <laughs> Y'all know that? I used to think God was mad. God's not mad at you. Try that for some size. This is, this is therapy 101. I'm going to pray. I want, you, I want you to take your hand like this. Just touch yourself softly and say, God's not mad at me. Come on, say it, because some of you don't think he is. Say, say it again. God's not mad at me. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's got a plan for your life. He wants you to have the good life. His good life, his way. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, Lord, we know that heavy lifting from the word of God that Paul preaches to the, to the islanders, to the pagans, and <clears throat> they've never heard this stuff before. They, they sure will receive a miracle and see it happen. They couldn't deny it because they were right there. They saw everything happen. They sure were received when all of them started receiving blessings and fulfillment from their diseases. They were actually cured. They'll take the good things. 
But Lord, I can't help but think you caused the shipwreck. You caused the snake bite. You caused an arrest. You caused Paul's life to be interrupted as we would see it. But Lord, it was your plan and your purpose. I thank you, Lord, that you're not mad at me. Thank you, like Paul, that you have a plan for my life and everyone in this room and everyone watching my live stream, you have a plan for their lives. Father, let them understand that and receive that by faith and go forth in Jesus' name. Not retreating, not backpedaling, not making excuses, but going forward, even though it's hard in the days we live in, going forward in the name of Jesus, saying about salvation what you say about salvation. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. We love you, we praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen.